Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's Pharrell on a bench in the biggest way possible. Hanging out of bad, seat, broken, ate a bad, have a wood, a bad attitude, hanging around a bunch of bad, out of bad taste, bad lot, bad dude, bad bread, bad attention, bad vibes. The FOTB pod, part du, part dua, part dos. It's Dr. Pete Wall going off like no other. Most people that do the show get one hour. And it's tough enough getting through the hour with them. I respect everyone that does it. Some people are better than others. It's a rare day that someone crosses over. Like I had said, he has crossed over and has become a spirit. He is now doing a second hour of show. Very impressive performance by Dr. Pete. So when you finally decide that you're going to have a business with your wife, hot Dr. Kelly, and you're able to lure her from her rich, famous celebrity gig in Manhattan, which got you all of your tickets to everything, including Broadway and sporting events and concerts and the garden and everything else. You got all the juice in the world going over there. You lured her out of that gig Did you feel at any point that she would kill you? Every second of every day. Because you had done that to her, did you feel that at any point she would cut off your man region while you were sleeping? Yeah, I had to hide all the knives and everything in the house that could potentially be lethal to me. Yeah, because she made it known that she was not super happy about me dragging her out of the city. When you were having a steamy movie star-esque affair with her, where were all of these rompings going on? Where were you living? Did you both have an apartment? Had you decided at some point to live together and see each other naked? When she first moved out here, I don't even remember what year that was. Seven, because you were out in like 03, and in 04 you started doing your thing in West New York. So she was three years behind you, so you're looking at seven. So immediately when she came out here, she moved in with me, and much to the chagrin of her religious family, the Irish Catholic on the one side and the Italian Catholic on the other side, they were not very happy. Now, the mother-in-law, she's, and let's just be as positive as possible here about everyone, because I love both of them. They're very nice people. But she's not as religious as he is. Yeah, no, they are. They're, oh, come on. Both, she might be more religious oh, than he on. is. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No way. They're, they're religious. Know, but-, but she's never talked religion with me, whereas he has. You know, because he's seen me stop drinking. He knew that I drank a lot, and then he knew I didn't drink. And then when I didn't drink, I think at some point or another, he asked me at some level if I did it 
through God. Right. Like he started talking to me about God one day at the swimming pool. Were you saved or something like this? Born again. And then, you know, I never had a problem with that conversation because my father was super religious and my sister worked at the 700 Club for 20 years. Right. She worked for Pat Robertson. So my sister was a fanatical wacko Christian because you know the people at the 700 Club are fanatical wackos. I know nothing about the 700 Club. Uh, You've never even heard of that? No, I'm Jewish. I know, but listen. Well, I, Jewish, but you, but Jewish. But I, I understand that. So, you know, Mazel Tov, but let's, <laughs> let's just inform you of what goes on here. So they have a place in Norfolk, Virginia. Have you ever heard of like Liberty University where yeah. Jerry Falwell yeah, is yeah, the- yeah. No, that he, one I know. That's a Christian school? Yes. Okay, well, my sister went to Taylor University, which is a total- Christian school and then when she got out she worked for the biggest Christian wacko ever Pat Robertson you don't know who that is I know who Pat he's Robertson a guy on TV yeah, trying to tell the president what's wrong with the world he's always trying to save the world he's like 150 didn't he die Did he, is he still no alive? he's still alive wow. so they have a television network called the 700 club okay and I the television network is on in you know 300 countries around the world and they just cram it down your throat it's 24 7 Christianity and they just cram it down your throat so when he started talking to me about god this is just my perception of it that he was sniffing around to see my reaction to his faith right because right, he, right. he was clearly into god yeah. and into religion and he was saying that there's a better way you can do this easier if you're going to church you can find an easier path to sobriety and a lifestyle because he knew that at the time i think Early on in your marriage, I was drinking like a rock star and partying like a rock star. And I think he liked me and knew that I was funny and knew that I was on the radio, knew that I was whatever you want to call it, popular, famous, whatever. But he knew that I had a struggle, that I was like, this sucks. I hate it. I can't believe I have to stop drinking. This is the worst. I don't want to be a dad if I have to stop drinking. Because remember, I did it when I had Gunner. Kids, right. So I stopped drinking and partying because I did a lot more than drink. And I stopped all that. And it was, and I did it the hard way, cold turkey. Yeah. And I didn't have any help. And I think he actually was trying to help me and help me. And so I never had a problem with the guy. I thought that he was very religious, but that didn't bother me. I think he thought I was wondering why he was talking about that with me but I never was offended by it I just dealt with it but my point of this whole thing is is that they disapproved of you living together oh they were not happy they were not happy well what did they say to her like you can't be living with this guy did they have a problem that you were Jewish yeah probably man because I gotta tell you this man so Forgive me, I am not religious. I'm not a tremendous educated person on religion at all. So but what? I think her father, is it Lutheran? Is that a sect? Definitely. There's Lutheran, there's Catholic, there's Baptist, there's Episcopalian, there's non denominational. The non denominational now is like real popular, where there is no label at the church. Gotcha. They have rock and roll churches in Manhattan. They do. They have rock and roll churches down where my in laws live. Everywhere. I've been there. Very so. popular. Yeah. They're very popular. They have one. Cool. They have one. I just went to my buddy. Do you remember John Boy Inc., Captain Thunder? Yeah. He died. Uh, I mean, and I'm so, so I went to his that. funeral, and it was at a... Down in Florida, Like right? a rock and roll church. It was literally in a Walmart. They yeah. bought this giant shopping center, 
and they converted it into a church. Yeah. And now it's got 20,000 members and they're pulling up on Harleys to go to church. And the guy that runs the church, the pastor's a ZZ Top. He's got a beard down to the ground and 50 million tattoos and earrings. And I'm like, what does he smoke dope too? So I was blown away that I went to like a rock and roll church funeral. And I was like, I've never seen anything like it because I thought I was going to go see him get buried. Yeah. And it turned out that he was cremated. <laughs> and they did it at a rock and roll church. So when he showed up, they did the whole viewing they did that right. in a casket and then he got cremated, cremated yeah, right. there was no burial it yeah. was cremation yeah i've never seen a church like that so when you're a jewish kid right. from new york you lived your whole life without being a practicing jew right you just were like cool as hell and you were jewish no big deal i know a, a million friends that are jewish that never practiced right i know some that do and they're wackos and they do the whole going to the temple and everything all day, and I'd lose my mind. So what did you think? And I know you're scared to talk about this because you don't want to offend anyone or them or get them upset because I love them, and I'm cool with them, and I respect them. But what did you think when you had interference from, like, the Christian right (laughs) telling you, about you sleeping or dating their daughter. I'm too naive or just too self-absorbed to care about the interference. (laughs) I used to say I was selfish, but my therapist said I'm not selfish, I'm self-absorbed. Everyone needs a therapist. We all do. So I really didn't care about that because I was just going to go do my own thing anyway. But I don't know if I knew this story before or after, but as I said, her father, I think, was Lutheran. Her mother, she's Italian, Sicilian, Roman Catholic. Is that Roman Catholic? That would make sense, right? When her mother started dating her father and her mother's parents found out that he was Lutheran. Now, that's still Catholic, right? No, it's not Catholic. Lutheran is not Catholic. Italians are Roman Catholic. Lutheran is like no different than Methodist, Baptist. They all are a twisted version of the same thing of Christianity. Okay. But they're all a different type of church. There's Lutheran, Baptist, and Methodist and all this. And uh, Evangelical Free, Episcopalian. I've heard of all these. I don't know what they mean at all. Catholic is what I, like, I'm Catholic, right? And it's just the worst. I mean, uh, it, it is the worst. Father Sean's my next-door neighbor, right? And he's been on the podcast. I love He's that, really dude. cool. I go to church. I'm the Jewish guy goes to church. You go to his church. You can love him. He's man. a really cool priest, and he's super cool, and he's awesome, and he's down. But the Roman church, the Catholic church, is still living 3,000 years ago. They've never come to grips with modern times. They're still telling me stories about sandals and a piece of fish and bread and blood of Jesus and that like walking in the desert with Moses. Bro, I don't have any time for it. That's You wonder why people are sitting in church with their phones on Twitter and, and on Facebook and on Instagram while the guy's preaching because they're bored to death. Yeah. That's what they do. They still are selling that same crap every day in the communion and all that. Listen, I'm telling you, I've told the guy, you want to know why people don't go? Let me tell you why. They don't want to hear it, but he's cool enough to hear it, right. and he knows it's true. So they are rulesy, a lot of rules, gotcha. and, and they force kids to go to CCD and all this other stuff. It's like beat into you. You know, these kids that go to these Catholic high schools, man, it's like going to prison. No, it's like, know. and then the girls' schools are even worse with the nuns. I mean, it's even worse. So no offense. I only hear the stories. Listen, no offense to them at all. It just is what it is. There's no one that can even argue it. He won't 
won't even argue it. He knows that they, the diocese, they never change yeah. the rules. So those rock and roll churches down there, those aren't Catholic churches? Those aren't Catholic at all. Because I've been to those, man. It is an operation. It is. It's yeah, but those are really cool and they're yeah. non-denominational and they just you. want everyone to uh, follow Christ and to have Christ in their life and God and, you know, that God is the father and Jesus is his son and the Jews don't believe that and the Catholics believe it All right. and the non-denominational believe in Jesus okay. and they, but they just want they don't every, care. They just want they everybody to follow the no good morals, good ethics. Just be a good person, a good person and, right? and praise God. What's wrong with that? And if that's all you do is believe in God, then come anyway. If you believe in Jesus, good for you. Yeah. They don't force anything hey, on man, you. Hey man, I was Jewish and they welcomed me with open arms. So They welcome everyone in churches with open arms, but if you don't believe what they believe, believe me you, they don't like you. All right. Okay, <laughs> all just right. so we're clear. So they're not fooling me. I was raised in this my entire life with it beaten into my head. And so I was like the Antichrist. I never went. I didn't want to listen to it. I didn't go. I didn't care. I was like, Pharrell, you, you can have it. And I used to sit home with my mother, I kid you not, on Sunday mornings, and we would drink Bloody Marys. She literally didn't care if I smoked weed because- the husband and daughter were off doing it. They just ate it up. And we were home partying. Yeah. She didn't care. She's like, you want one? Here, how about some French toast? Let's rock and roll. And you were what, like eight, ten Let's years old? Let's make pancakes. <laughs> Let's make scrambled eggs. Let's make omelets. Let's party. Let's read the Sunday Chicago Sun-Times. Let's read the Chicago Trib. Like, I grew up as a little kid in Indiana near South Bend in right. Valparaiso outside of Chicago. And then I moved to Pittsburgh when I was a little older. But I grew up with a mom that didn't buy into it. And then she was a concert pianist in the Chicago Symphony. She didn't care about church. Right. And then my dad, it was his whole life. And your sister, yeah. And then he got her when she got older. She started going to church with him, I think, just to do it. She always believed in it and thought, you have to be a good boy, Scott. You have to be a good boy. And she knew I wasn't. She knew I was nothing but trouble. But, I mean, what did they do when they saw their daughter with a Jewish guy from New York living with you? What did they do? Again, it's crazy. It goes back to, again, if I'm getting it wrong, I apologize to my in-laws. But my mother-in-law's parents, when she started dating my father-in-law. Just because he was Lutheran. Lutheran or one of the other ones that she is not. And her family disowned them. In essence, right? Because right. they just didn't respect him. He is not good enough for you. He's not of the same religion. So they went through that whole thing their whole lives. It's no different than the Catholics and the Protestants. They they, they went to war. Right. They'll blow you up it's crazy. over your religion. It's the same thing with Allah and, you know, with the Muslims right. and the Christians. They hate each other. It just, it's just holy wars. easy to me. Holy wars. Holy wars. So You see what happens in Israel? Yes, of course. And you see what happens in Egypt and in Gaza and in the West Bank? It's forever. It's a million-year-old rift. What are we even fighting about? Are we still fighting about a very small piece of land? So their parents disowned right. her because she was with him. Right. But then they're going to give you the business? Now, see, that's the thing. So are they more appreciative of our situation, or does it make it even worse? Is it just more fuel to add to this religious fire? I have no idea. They have always been cool to me. Never a day ever have they not been cool to me. So I want to qualify that. Fair enough. But I can tell you this. Being religious, forget about me being Jewish, just her moving in into an apartment and living with me. She moved in with me as soon as she graduated. She came right over. So you were right by the city. We were overlooking the city, yep. I don't even remember that. So you were working in that office that I was going to see you and you were living in Edgewater? Yeah, so I mean, my West New York office was like 
four minutes from my apartment in Edgewater. And so and the I one out here was the here. long one. Yeah, I had to drive up here. So when I first opened up the practice, I was living with my parents. So initially when you were living with your parents, that wasn't a pain in the ass. But when you lived in Edgewater, it became a pain in your ass. No, because it was. Because when I was living up here, I would be four minutes from this office, but then I would be 40 minutes from the West New York so, office. So what happened? So you're living with her in Edgewater. And I'm living what, were, with what were they doing to interfere with that? No, there was no interference. But there was definitely an opinion about yes, it. Yes, a big opinion. And so what did you guys always talk about that? Ah... <sighs> I feel like Dr. Kelly protected me. Was it always a centerpiece of discussion between you as lovers? Did your mom care less and dad? Because at the time, your mom and dad, your dad was alive then. Yeah. Your dad passed when you were an older man. Yeah, just about five, six years ago. Five, yeah. six years ago. So, and we'll, you and I both been through that. So we'll talk yeah. about that next. But so did your parents have a problem with it? Because your parents are a lot cooler. They loved her. Like in terms of, they don't care about they, that no, stuff. No, they loved her. Boy. Yeah, again, we're Jewish. You know, we're not very religious. Religious. But I mean, as soon as they met her, they loved her. So they, I like that. Religious. That's a, that's a good word because that's exactly what it is. Yeah. So they didn't have a problem with it. Did they they get along with her parents. Yeah, I mean, you were at my father's funeral. My father didn't have an enemy in this world in 71 years of his life. He never had an enemy in his life. Everybody loved him. So my parents got along with everybody. They still get along with everybody. Friendly. I got along fun. great with your dad. Yeah, I mean, he was the greatest. So eventually, did they just get over it? Like, at some point, you're going to say, marry me. And then did you have to deal with him and her about that? Yes. Did you have to, yeah. What happened there? I got the ish or get off the pot conversation right from her father oh from her oh, from her father, father said yeah. either do it or You're quit wasting our time <laughs> yeah so i remember one day they come to visit us they were living in michigan at the time outside of detroit and they came they drove out and they came to visit us and they were staying with us in our little like 152 square foot little apartment over there right and as soon as he came in on like it was a friday afternoon or friday evening he comes in he's like ah, i hurt my wrist lifting one of those bags boy do you think maybe tomorrow we can go take an x-ray at your office so he wanted to lure you out lure, yeah, to he was talk luring to me out of here I so he yeah, lured I you he out with it, that he was injured yeah yeah so then uh, but it was to give you the business it was to give me the business i had no idea so uh, the next day during lunch i'm like hey why don't we go take a picture of your wrist let's go head up to the office and we go to the office i'm like just wait here in the waiting room for a second let me go warm up the x-ray room and he goes sit down there's nothing wrong with my wrist i'm like wait what he's like what are your intentions with my daughter at this point oh, and i'm like man. wait what? So what did you do this is lunch i was gonna go take a picture of your wrist i'm not but, ready so, for this type of so what did you do so i mean listen i was ready at the time we were dating for good amount of years like we started dating when we were again it was long distance in like 03 when i first got to st louis and i guess it's 08 now she's been living with me for about a year or two now as well it was time so uh, i told her listen i have every intention of doing this i just wanted it to be the right time this that the other thing so i got him off me for a little bit he was happy with that and so it was probably not just a few months later when i called him up to ask him if it was to marry his daughter so and then he did it yeah and it was it so and i was at your wedding you know that was a beautiful day a beautiful night beautiful party you look beautiful she oh, looked beautiful so it was amazing and then so that we won't waste too much time with that the affair is always better than once you get married are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day, here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. 
Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. So then you get married, and then finally you decide to open up your own shop of horrors over down the street, let's just say, from where you were. And it really was an exciting venture for you. And you opened it up, and it was, I remember at the time, it was one side of that upstairs. It started small. Started yeah. small, one side of the upstairs. You had your own little thing going with about four or five offices or little rooms. Treatment rooms. Treatment yeah. rooms. And you had your whole operation set up in those four rooms, and you had a front reception area and everything like that. You start the business together when you're on the one side together and you've started the business together and it's in just half of what you became. So eventually you became the entire top floor. You yep. bought the whole thing out. Yep. You made enough to build uh, the entire operation of the entire top of this building. You took over everything and it turned into like a 12-room operation. Yeah. Right? Am I about right? Yeah, it's, it's so, huge. Yeah. But when you were in the small side of it and you started out together and you started breaking your stones together was it stressful did you think that it would work that you could make it successful and that it was gonna turn out all right or were you thinking what did i get myself into yeah it was more like what did we get ourselves into especially because we tried to keep as separate as possible so I still had that other gig that we were building down in West New York, Jersey City, and everything like that. I was still doing that a couple of days a week. So let's just say now it flipped. I was doing that Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and now I'm in the new Northern Jersey right. office on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays. And then uh, Dr. Kelly was still going into the city for a little bit on the days that I was in the Northern New Jersey right. office. We just didn't want to be in the same place at the same time. We would do Saturdays together. We did like four hours on Saturday. And if you guys wanted to be entertained. And was that working? <laughs> no. Oh, the two of us, Mr. and Mrs. Never Wrong. Is right. that working? Are you kidding me? I always say that. Kelly and I are probably like Mr. and Mrs. Smith. You know that movie with Brad Pitt? I know. And I watched it. It's a great movie. They had really yeah. good sex. Without the weapons, that is Dr. Kelly and Dr. They Pete. really got out of a lot of jams together. And I've always I pretty much wanted to sleep with her. And then I bet our wives have wanted to sleep with him. I can imagine. So let's just not talk about him right now because I'm not as good of a lover as him. Yeah. <laughs> so it was stressful, stressful. And you didn't think it would work. But then how did it get to the point where it became so big? Let's just be honest where it is. All right. The Montvale operation turned into an enormous operation yeah. to the point where it got so successful that you opened up a cloister yeah. operation, which was a little bit different than the Montvale shop. Uh, let me just call them shops because. It just makes it easy. What did I used to call your thing? The firm or something? Yeah, the firm. Always the firm. <laughs> it was always the firm. Go get treated at the firm. When it was just the one firm, but when it turned into two different firms, I said you had like a whole gigantic operation going on. You obviously had to have started seeing eye to eye to be able to expand as much as you did and, and grow. And then you started going from small to large to 
two gigantic operations, and then you had your other 10 going in West New York. Now you're one of the biggest doctors in the tri-state area, and you start delving into other things, real estate, whatever. It all got very exciting for you. Did it make it easier working with a spouse in the same business, same businesses, same field, or did it make it more stressful? Well, the one thing that we could say, common goal, right? Common goal, we want to be successful. We want to treat as many patients as we possibly can. We know we can help this world. So that is the common goal. Everything else is complicated. Everything else is very, very stressful. If anything changes with regards to like the medical profession, insurance reimbursement reimbursements are a huge problem right now, not just for a chiropractic. I mean, we have, again, we're chiropractic, physical therapy, acupuncture, massage, sports performance. Any doctor is getting... They're all the same, same problem. I mean, our good friends are neurosurgeons and general surgeons and orthopedic surgeons, OBGYN. Like Dr. Fon. I mean, you know, we're good friends with Dr. Fon. So if anybody out there knows and is kind of hanging out and goes to dinner with the doctor, like the main portion of the conversation is just dealing with insurance companies and all that stuff. It's it's miserable, right? So it makes the whole thing not fun because, you know, you want to do a great job, but then you don't get paid to do it. So anyway, that's a whole nother story. So the Spine and Health Center of Montvale became hugely successful. It's the number one place in North Jersey. You have the most clients, the most patients. <laughs> I don't uh, know about and then, that. Yeah, you do. And then, and then what is the name of the one in Cloister? We branded the Spine and Health Centers of New Jersey. So now it's the Spine and Health Center of Montvale, the Spine and Health Center of Cloister, the Spine and Health Center of Jersey City. So, yeah. So, all those are doable. If you live in the area, you should go see Dr. Pete and Dr. Kelly. So, let me ask you, now that the world has changed and there's been a Pharrell-demic and the virus destroyed, he has absolutely zero business, shut down, all operations ceased, there's no house cleaning, there's no valet, there's no dry Dry cleaning, cleaning, there's no nothing. He is crippled by this Pharrell-demic. How has it affected your business and how do you deal with it accordingly based on, I think I heard you say something about one patient at a time. Meanwhile, let's just be honest, you have thousands of patients. Are patients afraid to come see you unless they're in dramatic injury and pain. Yeah. So this is a super sensitive topic. And he was essential as well in the cleaning business, but we are considered essential. We're in a medical business or in healthcare. And anybody who's treating the ill, obviously with the pandemic or the injured is considered essential. However, we're essential conservative. I keep on saying we have to be sensitive about this. I know I'm chiropractic and physical therapy. I'm not on the front line. But there are still people who are post-operative that are in our offices right now. So they had an operation. They had an operation. And they need rehab. That's correct. PT. You know, nobody knew this was going to be this bad. So they had their operation before this happened. You got to wait a couple of weeks after the operation for everything to kind of heal up a little bit before you start your rehab. So now these people are coming during the pandemic to do this. And I no, I'm not saving anybody's life. And I'm not a frontline guy. All my friends are frontline guys. So it's sensitive whether or not we should be staying open. And, of course, we're taking the proper precautions. Are there people that don't think you should be open? I think there are people out there who think we should not be open. People are upset about it? Keep in mind, we're hands-on, right? So we can't keep our six feet of social distancing. So how do you do it? Are you, like, wearing masks, gloves, the whole deal? The whole deal. We have masks, gloves, and gowns for all of our providers. We have masks and gloves for our, our front desk staff. How do the employees feel about that they're in the office? Do they feel nervous and scared that because they're around people that they're going to get it. First thing we did was asked who was uncomfortable being in the office. Anybody who raised their hand, anybody who was uncomfortable in the office, 
no worries. That's fine. Go ahead. Go home and do your thing. We never, ever force anybody who is going to be uncomfortable to be in our office. That's number one. Number two, the CDC comes out with guidelines with regards to how to keep things safe and clean and everything like that. And those guidelines were so unbelievably basic for us because on an everyday basis, that was the kind of hygiene and sanitizing that we would always do. Now we've gone to some next level stuff with regards to how we keep everything sanitized and clean and everything like that. You said, I was seeing probably in those other operations between 2,200 to 2,500 patients a week. In this operation, we'd probably see about maybe 800 to 1,000 patients a week. But that's not that bad. I thought you were going to tell me you were going to see 100 or 200. That's what we were seeing before the pandemic. Now? Now. Now I see one patient every half an hour. Then we allow 15 minutes to sanitize the office so I can see eight patients in a day. Maybe we do it maybe three or four days a week. So I'm seeing about 60 patients a week now. Oh, my God. So From thousands. From thousands down to that. What has that done to your business? For the time being, what has it done to you? I will probably lose thousands of dollars a day because I'm keeping open for the people who need to get in for treatment. We are treating the frontline workers. I'm treating all the law enforcement. I'm treating all the doctors. Keeping in mind, our friends who are the doctors who are on that front line, they're working 19, 20-hour days, hunching over these patients all day long. And they're in agony. They're blowing out their necks. They're blowing out their backs. So we're treating all these first line guys. We're treating the law enforcement, the EMTs. So these are the guys that we're trying to really help out the most. And then, I mean, I just had somebody, they're home with their kids, right? They have to stay at home. They're trying to keep their five and eight year old kids entertained. So they're out there running relay races and a dog comes jetting out and takes this one woman out and she completely tears her shoulder apart, man. She fractured a portion of her labrum. She tore three muscles in the rotator cuff. Where is she going to go? Is she going to go to the hospital where there's all no. COVID patients? No. So we're open so that we can triage patients to keep them away from the hospitals and the urgent care centers. Because they're so dangerous They're right so now. dangerous. So that is a massive, selfless, and helpful act that is crucial to society still churning and burning. Absolutely. It has to work, right? Is Dr. Kelly and your other doctors that work for you, you have a lot of doctors that work for you, are they all freaking out? Everybody's freaking out, but I mean, we had to furlough a lot of our employees. Do you feel that you see a light at the end of the tunnel at all. It is tough because I get it from both sides. I get it from the emotional side, but then I also get the updates from our friends who are on the front line over there. And emotionally... You know, you listen to the news, especially around here. We're in New York, New Jersey. We think that the peak has either occurred or we may be on the other side of it right now. And that that feels great. And that's what they're saying in the media. And it's fun. And we need that to actually happen. We have to get some morale back and work turns to somewhat normalcy when we can. But I am still hearing some of the devastating stories that are going on inside these hospitals right now from our friends who are there on the front line. And it's crazy. Did you have to go at any point to keep your business alive? All of them. You have so many shops they're all over. How do you keep them running if you have no money coming in? Did you have to go to the banks or to the government and ask for help? Yeah, absolutely. As soon as the the first phase of the disaster loans were coming out, I applied for those SBA loans there. Did it work? I haven't heard anything back yet. So you went through all those processes and they just blew you off. It's not just me. I have not heard of a single person in any business, not just healthcare, get any type of assistance yet. And that was from the first one. Then they had this paycheck one where right. you know, you've heard about this, the most recent one, $350 billion. Right. That application took me about 28 hours to get done. So all your friends that do what you do, other doctors of all different fields, you're hearing and speaking to your colleagues and your peers that have the same kind of businesses that you do. 
and they have the same kind of offices and all of them are having the same problems. Like literally the government is blowing off and banks are blowing off everyone. Like at some point, do you think you'll ever hear from them? I need to. Uh, You know, as I said, I'm losing money every single day. Unlike a lot of my peers and a lot of the bigger, almost franchise type of uh, physical therapy places, they seem to have closed up and they let go of their entire workforce right away. I got to have more of a mom and pop, although, I, you know, we became large. Every employee of mine is a part of my family. So I kept them on payroll as long as I, I guess you feel could. responsible. I feel responsible for them. But I, how I long can family. you carry that on? That's the thing. Do you sleep? At night, or do you freak out and trip out? I leave the freaking out and tripping out to Dr. Kelly. And she's good at that? Yeah, she does that very well. What are you going to do? I don't know. Do you have any idea what you're going to do, or is it day to day? See, for me, I've always lived my life. I wake up, I get done what I got to get done, and I go, and I go do it. And I'll never stop. And that's kind of what drove our success. People ask you, oh, you never failed. Is there doom and gloom, or is there some sliver of positivity that it could turn soon? Or is everything you're hearing from your employees and your partners, do any of them feel positive? that this thing's going to end and that you're going to get back to normal or is it never going to be normal again? I think the consensus around my world is that it's not going to really ever return to a normal like we're used to at this point. Have people started snapping? Oh yeah, psychologically? Yeah. Oh my God, yeah. As I said, I'm taking care of the law enforcement, right? And thank goodness we think the peak has occurred here, but these people are still getting called every single day and the calls that they're getting are less and less sick people and more and more- BS. Well, not BS, but people who have mental illnesses that were probably a little bit more buffered you know back in the day they right. have a lot more outlets and now i mean these mental illnesses are coming out people are stressed out understandably man i mean i'm keep on going every single day because i have to and i don't know anything else but for the people who have been completely shut down their home right everything here is closed so people are not working or working from home and there's a lot of struggle going on right now so they think people are definitely snapping dr pete wall with us from spine and health centers of new jersey and west new york everywhere he named them all i can't keep up with all of it all you have to do is look up spine and health all over north jersey and west new york and you'll find them dr pete wall dr kelly blundy uh, did i get that right yeah you did let's say normal see returns. Is it going to take a year or two to catch up with the losses? Have you made projections on the damage plan for moving forward of the recovery of the losses? What kind of work are you going to have to do? Are you going to have to turn into a 20-hour-a-day doctor to recover from this? Or do you think it can just get back to normal like it never happened? No, man. I'm not 25 years old anymore. I have my family. I have my kids. I can't do the same hours that I had done to put this operation to where it was. I don't think it's ever coming back to that. I don't know how to get it back to that. It's a different world now than it was when I was building it in the first place anyway. So there's not a very pretty picture in our future with regards to how this is going to come back in our business. The only thing I can say in my business is that people are always going to have pain. And we are good at what we do. And that's how we grew. It was just results first. And then, of course, then our reputation and everything like that. But the fact that we're so good at what we do, I have no problem figuring that we're going to kind of come out of this. But are we ever going to be the same operation we were in the past? I don't think so. And in the midst of all this, we just got hit by the state as well, lowering our reimbursements as well. So uh, I guess they're going to have to pay for all this COVID stuff that's going. While you're being screwed, you're getting doubly screwed? sure did, yeah. When you look at an average family of, let's say, four or five people... It's funny to me because I've seen you treat my family, like me, my wife, my mother-in-law, Kathy O, my son has done... PT there. I think Chop's the only one that's never done anything. Has she ever done anything? I don't know. I don't think so. Only when she was super young. But my point is this. How many families have a lineage of 
pain problems, like where you've seen my whole family in there for treatment because we actually needed it. Like, let's say the family over there, let's just say a house over there with five or six people in it. Do you see that whole family over the course of a decade or two uh, with the recurring pain problems and injuries? Yeah. It just happens. Every house, it just goes on and on. It does. does. You don't realize it until you do it for a living that families suffer with pain, like the whole family tree. Have you ever had anyone ask you that question? Because I just was thinking about how many times you've treated me for basketball injuries, broken hand, broken tibia plateau, rotation Tater cuff, torn, labrum, torn. I watch you do that. Plantar fascia, both feet, yeah. bone spurs, both heels, you know, the scapula injuries, the neck injuries, teammates that I've sent to you. Sure. Damien, the yeah. Spanish guy that I sent to you that all the women want to sleep with. Oh, it's insane. That they all want to sleep with him it's, and not us. What the heck is you up and with I, the we used to have, Come on. Yeah, we used to have the women, and now- Why would you screw us like The best that? thing that ever happened to us was that guy moving Move back, back to, to Spain. Spain. All right, so it's very difficult when I have lawnmowers, and I have, what did you call it, a birthday parade with yeah. cops and fire trucks? Yep, yep. Because no one's allowed to have a birthday party now, so they have drive-by. Drive-bys. Is that like a drive-by shooting? Hopefully it's a little not different. exactly like so, no, yeah. Damien left, and now we've moved back up to the food chain of being lovers because now the women know they can't make love to him, so they have to, they're forced to make love to us. We're being compared to him, though. And I don't ride a motorcycle like him, too, in his leather. Or- Do you get any leg at all during the Pharrell Demic? None. I got it once. It's I'm a disaster. I'm cut off. She hates me. It's a disaster. She hates me. Yeah. We're- it's a problem. <laughs> uh, let me ask you uh, so, families, you still haven't told me, from father to kid, do you see them all repetitively over time? And you know, as a chiropractor doctor with 50 shops, you know pain day's coming. Do you ever sit back and go, I already know Chuck's coming back to see me within 12 months. Either he, his wife, his kid, his daughter, his son, his mother-in-law, someone's going to drop. Yeah, I mean, that's what happens when you do a good job. I think some chiropractors get a bad name. Like, we got to see you three times a week for the rest of your life. We don't do that in our office. We want to get you out of our office as quickly as possible, get you back into the game. Why? Do people think that that's what you guys do? You just tell people you have to do this forever? I personally don't, but I know we get a bad name. I think that's the image. But uh, again, you've seen our operation. Want to light the lamp on DraftKings and FanDuel this NHL DFS season? Then join DailyRoto.com and learn from the best daily fantasy sports players. Get updated fantasy hockey projections for NHL DFS, line combinations, and build stacks for tournaments in the Daily Roto NHL DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy hockey without using Daily Roto, you are doing it wrong. Enter the promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you, because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down. And too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life, so I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We're going to learn. And most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is going to be your church, your turn up, and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
You know what I do? What do you do? I tell everyone I know, and you know it. It's real simple. When I know anyone that I ball with that gets injured, what do I do? You send I them send them to you. Yeah. Every person I know that gets injured, I have sent to you because I tell them it's simple. If you want to deal with your problem and you want it to go away or you have a game in a day and you got a torn calf and you can't run, I know where to go. And I sent them to you because yeah. you fix people's problems. That's what I know you do. I know people may say chiropractors are a joke. They make you keep coming for five years and you're never going to be set right. You got to keep doing it. I've never felt that way. I felt like you're the answer to my pain problem. That's it. I mean, again, I take my athletic training background, and my goal is to get you back on the field as quickly as possible. I'm a sports guy, right? So I want to get you back on the field as quickly as possible. I don't want you in my office. Hey, do I make more money when you're in my office? Yeah, but I'd rather get you better. You do amazing. You send me everybody you know, their families. I'll be fine. And then I'll it works. Fine. So as a Yankee fan, yep. when you knew that they were going to be the best team in the East, you knew they're a 100-win team. You're just stabbing me in the I heart I guess right the now. one thing is, you know there's no baseball. They're talking about playing in the Grapefruit League and in the Arizona League out in the Cactus. Yeah, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, they're thinking about doing all that stuff, and they've in, talked in about, look, I don't care when they do it. I just want them to do it. I want baseball to come back. Fair enough. I guess my question is this to you. How do you feel about the Yankees in the sense that you've been going to Yankee games since you were a kid? You and I have gone to Yankee games together. You go a lot more than I do over the last few years because I got sick and tired of dropping a nickel every time I went to Yankee Stadium because I used to go to old Yankee Stadium and I could pull it off for a buck and a half, too. Yeah. But now, if you go there with two people, you're looking at a nickel. You go with four, you're looking at a dime. Yes. For one three-hour experience and and that includes your $50 parking and your hundreds of dollars in concessions yep. and the seats. My buddy wanted me to go see him play the Red Sox last year. It was six fifty for two of us to go and sit in the mezzanine behind home plate. I'm like, bro, you can have it. And so my question to you is this. Do you feel like baseball will ever recover from this? Because who in their right mind, when they lose their job and have nothing and they're unemployed and they've lost everything, they can't pay their rent, they can't pay their mortgage, they can't pay their cell phone bill, electric bill, water bill, can't feed their families, who in their right mind on the face of the earth can afford to go to a New York Yankee baseball game that costs $1,000 for four people to go to? And don't even tell me I'm making up numbers. Not even close. You're not making up numbers. And again, you know me, I got season tickets now too. So I'm suckered in for years. But no, man, everybody's lost their disposable income. Forget about the people who are well off, right? The wealthy people, they're doing very, very well. Those people are losing their disposable income. But the other people, the diehard Yankee fans that I know, that I grew up with, they're not very wealthy. They'll do okay, and they live. But how are they going to afford $1,000 to go to a Yankee game? It's not, no way. How are you going to keep affording Yankee season tickets? Like, just hypothetically, how much does that cost for two seats? Decent seats. you Because I know you don't have crappy seats. No, we have good seats. But, I mean, back when we first started, let's just say we were up in the Loge over there, right? In 227B over there. Right. You're looking at for the two tickets, what are you talking about? About, you know, 80, 85 bucks per ticket, 
right? So you're looking at, you know, 170 right there. Then you've got the parking. Then you've got the food. Then you've got this. And that was for season tickets. I had to commit to 81 games, right? Right, right. So. How much was that, Bill? I mean, it was a few thousand bucks back in the day. Yeah, I don't know if that's ever going to come Four back. Four grand? So. It was a little bit more than that. Five. For me, I would use it for networking and stuff like that. So I'd like to take the guys up to the Audi Club at Yankee right. Stadium over there. I went out to the Mohegan Sun. So that cost you an extra couple of bucks. You know, another $12 per ticket. This, that, this. Seven grand a year? Yeah, it was probably about Okay, so nowadays, where are your seats? And so. what does it cost to be a Yankee season ticket holder now? And do you feel that it's a ripoff? Yeah, I mean, we're now down in the championship suites over there. So the good thing about these tickets is you're over 10 large. It's over 10 large, yeah. Are you over 15 large this season? Well, the good thing about what I'm doing right now, 81 games became very, very tough. So I split it with a couple of my partners, right? So we have a couple of docs that we each get now 10 games, right? If you think about it. So you split it with a bunch of guys. So you have eight guys splitting 10? Pretty much. 10 each? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then how much do you have to throw in? So, and again, we kind of guaranteed it for six or seven years too, right? So we made this commitment up front to get a better deal on the tickets but uh, so for long term yeah so for the group in the champions level to do a commitment of what was it five or ten years yeah it was i think we six years six year commitment six year commitment in the champions suites right is that where it is yeah or is it a champion suites or level it's champion suites box suites yeah okay so for six seven years that commitment for 81 games let's just pretend like the eight doctors is one doctor let's say that one bill for those how many seats is it four four seats okay for the four seats for seven years for 81 games at that level, what are we looking at? Is it 15, 20 grand? 25, 30? 100. How much are we per game now, man? See, I never even thought about it. Why are you making me think about because this? Because it's time important that I know because I want people to know that if you want to go to Yankee Stadium and sit in juiced, kick-ass seats, so essentially you're going to admit that if you sit at that level in a champion suite, four seats, for a six-year commitment, it's a hundred grand or more a year. No, 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 no. Let's just say it's fifty a year, but you're guaranteed six years, so you're looking at three hundred out of pocket. All right, fair enough. So fifty grand a year, and you're looking at over three hundred grand for the whole package yeah. to keep those seats for that many years, and then at the end they give you the right to re-up. Right. So, do you feel that that's worth it? At the end of the day, for business, do you think that that's worth it? At the end of the day, all of it has been satisfying to you and you know this was a great investment first of all a couple years back we used to be able to write that off now you can't right so you can't even write these things off as a business expense so no it's definitely not worth it does it piss you off that every time you turn around judge and stanton are making 300 million dollars and they never stanton is not judge right but you know judge is going to make 300 million sure is you know what he should do both of them they should go to spine and health center because they never play Uh, Does it bother you that you pay all that money and you go see a team where the stars never play? It got frustrating. Was it last year or a couple of years ago when you would go to the stadium? I'd be sitting right there on the field and I wouldn't recognize but one player on the entire field. Doesn't that bother you? Yeah, of course it does. Of course it does. But I'm in the healthcare industry and I understand these injuries. I've worked with sports before. So it is what it is. I mean, it is what it is. Do you think that the Astros, that the Yankees got shafted by the cheating Astros? Yes, I do. I have a guy on our network on Sports Grid that says the Yankees are cheaters because all of them juice. And he's a Red Sox fan and he's the same guy. Is this just a blanket accusation or is there a He's the same guy that says that Poppy didn't juice. 
when he was named in the Mitchell he was named in the, Yeah, I remember that. But he says the Red Sox don't juice, but the Red Sox cheat too. So do you think the Yankees cheat? I, again, when you say cheating, listen, if somebody has the ability to steal a sign when they're on second base from the catcher, that's baseball, all right? Right. But when you're using technology and you're doing that and you're taking it to the next level, that is not baseball. That's cheating. I think that they cheated in 17, 18, and 19. I think they were cheating against the Nationals, and the Nationals were hotter than their cheating and beat them. And beat them. And they deserved to lose. I believe that they cheated till they were caught. Like every kid smokes dope until he's caught. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. People drink and, and drive till they're caught. <laughs> Every, yeah, right. So you didn't get in trouble until you got caught. Is that right? When it first came out, I was like, all right, whatever. They cheated. Everybody cheats this, that, the other thing. But the funny thing is, as I kept on hearing about it, man, I got more and more pissed off about it. And more and more, I realized it absolutely affected the outcome of games. Now, I've played baseball. There's still a baseball coming flying at you. You still got to hit the damn right. thing, right? You still got to catch it in the field. But, and I told you about O.J. Dubois in part one of this thing, right? If I know a 93-mile-an-hour, 98-mile-an-hour fastball is coming, and I don't know where it's coming. Then but you I know adjust. It's I know I got to start swinging early. And if I know it's a curveball or a slide piece coming at me, that is a changes huge, everything. huge, huge advantage. Anybody who's ever played baseball can never doubt that that is a huge advantage knowing whether it's going to be coming at you at speed or you're going to get jumped. What do you think of Garrett Cole saying that he essentially said that he can't believe that they cheated as he was on the team? Are you going to listen to that BS any more than I'm going to listen to Andy Pettit lie his way through steroids and say that God protects him, that praise Jesus... The bottom line is this. Garrett Cole, if you're on the Astros like he was, you know. He knows they cheated. You know. But he's saying he knew nothing about it. So what do you think of your lying, cheating, new $300 million pitcher? Do you think he's just as bad as they are? Or do you love him? Because you know what I said as a Yankee fan, thank God we got him because I want to watch him every five days pitch. Right. And I hope that his arm doesn't fall off because they just gave that guy a boatload of money for how long? And what do you think of him? He basically played like he had nothing to do with it. Yeah. Because I know he wasn't hitting. But he acted like he didn't know they were doing it. And I think that's an absolute chunk of BS. Anybody who's in that position, you're going to want to separate yourself from that position. And if you could pull it off, you pull it off. I couldn't imagine if it was so deep inside that organization. I couldn't imagine... Everybody in the organization not knowing what's going on. You know, I've been on a baseball field before, even in the most basic levels. You know, I'm playing out with my boys. You know, so have you ever smoked pine tar like behind the dugout or anything? Have you ever lit up a bowl of pine tar? No. Is that something to do? I don't know because if they've done everything else, they've shot liquids (laughs) of cow juice into their asses. I mean, oh, they're deer antlers. Do you remember that? that? So I have patients that are coming to me and they want every little bit of Andro, advantage. is that what like, they called that? What was the deer antler? The Andro? No, that wasn't the <laughs> I don't even know, man. So let me ask you. And they'll you, come ask me like I'm the expert at some of this crazy so stuff. So do you no think idea. that your football team will ever be good again? Oh, God, man. I mean, you get, so I, tough. What do you think of them? Because fan. are you a season ticket holder there, too? I am not. No, my partner is. He is a huge and do you, diehard. do you go to games? I go to games every once like in a while. Like what? Do you go to one game a year? Yeah, now it's down to about one game a year. So That's do you I think Jones and Barkley can build from the core, the quarterback and running back, are good enough to build a core to make them a champion again. Okay. Are you confident or not? I love Jones and I love Barkley. I think I think young, good 
people right now are awesome, but it has to start more above them. It has to start at the top. It has to start with management wanting to get involved and, and getting the right people in. And, uh, you Do you know, like Judge? I don't know. I'm you don't even know. Like, so your yeah. new coach from the Patriots, yeah. when they got him, were you like, what are you doing? Or were you like, you know what? Let's do it. We needed a change, right? We need something to change. We need big change in New York right now. So why not? I don't know much about them. Let's let's go. They have had so many bad coaches lately. McAdoo and Shermer made me sick. Do you think that this guy's going to be another one of them? I hope not. Again, I don't know as much as I should about. He acts any like of these a hard guys. ass. So maybe like he's some kind of hard mean. ass. Know. You know, remember when the Yankees used to go with like a real hard ass, outgoing, real right. lively coach, and then they went with a or some right. dude. It would always go back and forth. They seemed to. Work do you think that. Joe Girardi will do well in Philly? Yeah, good luck to Joe Girardi in Philly. Do you think he'll do well? You like him? Yeah, he's all right. So he won you a World Series. He won us a World Series, and then they booted him for the broadcast. Do you think Boone's a good manager? Or do you just think they have talent and I they're deep? I think there's a tremendous amount of talent, but what I like about Or is Boone, it just because they have a $250 million payroll? So here's the thing, right? Joe Torre did it with the huge payroll as well. And you guys, you know, when you have a Jeter and A-Rod and a Giambi on your team at the same time and dealing with these personalities and making sure that they mesh together. But what I like about Boone and I think maybe Torre more so than I liked about Girardi is that they kind of let the game go a little bit more. I, I think they don't overmanage... And I think I prefer that, you know? When you got a nice pitcher going in and getting into a nice streak. So what if you're supposed to bring the closer in in the ninth inning? It's still your favorite sport, baseball. It's still your favorite? It is. And then football. And then you really don't care about basketball and hockey. Well, listen, I mean. You don't. I'm a Knicks fan, and so. I'm a Knicks fan, too, but you don't give a rat's ass. They destroyed me. Since 1994, I've had nothing to worry about. But you don't about. care about it, really. No, no, no. no but not baseball, like, there's a thing about baseball for you that it's always on in your house. Yes. And it's always on in your car. And yeah. you're always at the game. You just still, that's your love, your passion. true passion and love. Like, all from April until October, that's your deal. I'm 42 years old and I still want to play center field for the New York Yankees. It's just the way it is. I love it. Do you get your rocks off going to Yankee Stadium new or do you miss the old one? I'm a traditionalist and I love, love, love the old Yankee Stadium. I remember going... It smelled good. I always tell this story. Again, my parents grew up in the Bronx. My father grew up on 161st just outside the stadium over there. He worked for Stan and anybody in New York knows I know Stan. Stan. Great bar. Yeah. He's got the bar. He owns all my the... Show all the sports memorabilia right. shops. It's all Stan stuff. My father used to work for him back in the day. So huge, huge Yankee fans. Just remember them taking me as a young kid. And of course, we weren't very well off. And so we would start going up the dungy escalators right. and it'd get grayer and grayer and dirtier and I was a dirtier. bleacher creature. Were you really? Yeah, I was a bleacher creature in the old stadium. Yeah. I've never been into the bleacher creature section at the new Yankee Stadium. But at the old one, I was a bleacher creature. When I was doing mornings on NEW New York, they initiated me and I used to go all the time and I just think the new stadium is antiseptic. Hey, it's definitely different. As you go up those dungy escalators and the old thing because you couldn't see anything. You were just in the back end, you know, the doldrums of the old Yankee Stadium. But then you would go into that little booth. And he would just walk out into, you know, we'd be the upper deck over there, the pristine green of the grass and the white in the outfield right. and, and the white bases and dirt. It was just that feeling was so amazing just to go through the tunnel and get out there and, and just see that. 
the new stadiums. And again, we were down in Atlanta when they built the new stadium down over there. It was right. wide open. Like, you don't get that same feeling. I agree. So you think the new stadium's just average? I think the new stadium, I understand why they did it, and it, it's a good experience, but... You know, coming from a Yankee thing. Do you it's feel just, like you're still in the Yankee Stadium? No, you're not. There's nothing enclosed. Thank God, anymore, you yeah. finally just admitted something. Yeah, you just I, finally I, admitted that it sucks. It doesn't suck. It isn't it Yankee Stadium, dude. It's not, not Yankee Stadium. I agree. It's it, not Yankee it's Stadium. It's poser. Listen, I got to tell you, you're fantastic. Yeah, you I pulled you, off buddy. a double, the daily double. You did it. It's great having you on. Best of luck with the Spine and Health Center in your career, your life, your marriage with Dr. Kelly. Your kids are beautiful. Your home is beautiful. It's great being friends with you. I always admire what you've pulled off in your life. I'm proud of you. I'm always rooting for you. I'm always sending people your way. Uh, Keep doing your thing. Don't give up because of the Pharrell Demick. Thanks for coming on the Pharrell on a Bench podcast. Thank you, bro. Love you, man. There he is, Pete Wall, Dr. Peter Wall. Check out Spine and Health Centers all over North Jersey and West New York. And if you're in pain, he's the guy to see. Believe me, you. He has set me straight a million times. He loves to snap, crackle, and pop Pharrell. Or should I say Uncle Futrelli? Shake it. Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Dunk on your NBA DFS competition with DailyRoto.com and dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season. Compete with the pros with DailyRoto.com, Optimizer, and the most accurate projections in NBA DFS, plus lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. Save 10% on winning NBA DFS advice with promo code DUNK. Visit DailyRoto.com backslash dunk to learn more. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.